Welcome to Construction Cashflow. I'm your host, Stu Davidson, and if you haven't already done so, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. So for me, what really makes a great leader who's someone who's willing to develop their self-awareness and be conscious of what's important to them and the difference they want to make, and is also conscious of how they impact others and how they engage with others because actually you can't really be an effective leader unless you can build relationships with others unless you can create circumstances where others will resonate with you in some shape or form so emotional intelligence is so so important sounds like it's a systemic challenge it's the whole system of how the industry has evolved And there's something for me when I hear you say about, you know, it's small businesses, um, livelihoods are at stake, families are at stake. That increases the stress levels enormously. So the potential for triggering, perhaps for being triggered and going into that reactive, emotional or defensive response is increased. People are very action orientated and just want to get it done. And, you know, organizations love those types of personalities. And often they're the people that get promoted. But you've got to think about the people who also are able to engage with others and take people with them and just focus solely on we've got to make sure that result happens, that there's a risk they become psychopathic and they will start developing leaders and attracting leaders in that ilk. I do a lot of work with women leaders and I know lots of male leaders who are fantastic and they have daughters and they, and yet in the organizations they work, they see behavior from their colleagues that is not okay in terms of how they treat women. Um, I wrote my book about ego because so often ego gets in the way and um, our ego, we're in, we're in our ego 80% of the time. We, so that holding back and shrinking back is also our ego in action because for me, that's all part of our defense strategy, which is all what ego is. In this show, we ask our guests to tell us their story. Tell us a little bit about their background, how they got to where they are today how they develop their product, their services, their ideas. And we discuss how that can affect construction cash flow and other areas of construction. And also to give us an idea of how we might make things better and give you a few tips and ideas to take away with you. And listen to the end where you'll find out more about them, more about our guests, about what motivates them, what inspires them, and hopefully, that'll inspire you too and always don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another episode in this episode it's my pleasure to introduce you to Mary Gregory Mary coaches leaders to play a bigger game and to do it with ease rather than force and control Mary is a renowned public speaker and is the author of the book Ego so it's without further ado that it's my pleasure to introduce you 
to Mary Gregory. So, Mary, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, and thank you for having me here, Stu. Ah, you're welcome. Now, Mary, tell us about your story and how you got to where you are now. Right, okay. Well, um, I, I'm, obviously, we could probably be here all day if I told you the whole of my story, but I'll give you a potted version. I think as a child, I always was curious, and I always had this sense of there's got there's got to be more to life than this. I grew up with this kind of aching longing of the has to be more to life than this. And I went into study psychology. I trained to be an occupational therapist and worked in child and family psychiatry for the first part of my career. But that was only part of who I was. It was it was a, a very meaningful role to have. Um, and certainly felt I was making a difference in that role. But working in the NHS back in those days was quite soul destroying as well. So I then kind of went after my more hedonistic side of my life and went into the travel industry and worked overseas as a holiday rep for a couple of years, then got promoted into management. And then um, very fortunately stumbled across training and development, which was like a marrying of my business skills and a development skills that I'd learned as an occupational therapist working in child and family psychiatry. So that led me to then head up learning and development in First Choice Holidays, who are now part of TUI. And from then, I went on to um, create my own business as a leadership coach, a consultant, designing and developing programs, and have worked with all sorts of different organisations, including Tesco, a BAA, BAE, and nowadays what I do is I tend to, you know, I've been around, I've been around quite a long time. <laughs> so um, I tend to have a mixture of my own clients who come directly to me and work with them as a coach or work with them, helping them uh, develop their teams. They all tend to be in the corporate world or the business world in some shape or form. And um, I also do associate work through other consultancies as well, which introduces me to all sorts of different clients too but it's quite interesting because I'm, I'm conscious your uh podcast is is towards the construction industry I did work in the property division at Tesco's um for a year which was really good experience seeing how very you know very different approach to leadership also understanding the culture of how the culture of leadership can be impacted all sorts of things there massive learning curve from that experience Interestingly, we had Peter Peter Searle on uh, last week I interviewed. And I would call this mm. a behavioural contract or sometimes it's called a psychological contract because it's all about our behaviours, what we, what we need and expect from each other to be our best. It's like it's a systemic challenge. It's the whole system, the web yeah. of how the industry has evolved. And there's something for me when I hear you say about, you know, it's small businesses um, livelihoods are at stake, families are at stake, that increases the stress levels enormously. So the potential for triggering, perhaps for being triggered and going into that reactive, emotional or defensive response is increased. He, he, the way he expressed the structure of Texaco's was really interesting and the way they, they worked on a, a collaborative basis with their supply chain, which was quite adversarial was in them days anyway yeah um you know i mean i think what impressed me when i worked there was how relentless they were and 
uh, relentless in a good way in that um, they would not be stopped by the challenges, any of the challenges that came up. So like a local authority, they, they might want to build a Tesco Extra or a Tesco Local or whatever, I can't remember, the Tesco Express. Um, and the local authorities say, well, well, we'll let you do that if you build X, Y, Z in student accommodate. And they'd like, yeah, great, fine, bring it on. And they'd rise to the challenge all the time, mm. incredibly resilient and relentless in how they approach things and innovative as a result as well. So what brings the organisations to you? What do they come to you to solve for them? Okay, well, uh, I'd say these days what people come to me for is usually they are senior leaders. So I work with CEOs, directors. Um, occasionally I work with people who are heading up um, leadership uh, roles, so it's kind of heads of. Uh, but they're in senior roles. And normally they are navigating some sort of change in some way. I mean, it, you know, change is ever present in all organisations and it be, becomes, you know, it's becoming more and more complex. So they're usually navigating change in some way. And if I'm honest, usually it's very challenging change, which is impacting them in that they've got a drop of confidence. They may well have lost their mojo a bit. They may well be just questioning themselves. They may be finding some relationships at work quite tricky to navigate i can think of um, one client who had quite a, um, a challenging time with um, their ceo and had to navigate that relationship to get it back on an, uh, an even course um, i also um, can think of others who've come to me when it's just the size and amount of change they're going through which can be quite overwhelming and how i tend to help them is to help first of all give them a sounding board to kind of offload everything that's going on in their head so they kind of get it out there and then start getting some clarity around what are the important things what are the priorities for themselves but also how can they manage themselves in this process how can they a look after themselves so that they can be turn up and be their best self but also how can they get a sense of what's going on around them and as human beings, we are meaning making machines. So how can they let go of all the meaning they're attributing to things and just deal with what, what is so and therefore gain some power and some influence in the situations that they're dealing with? So that's probably what a long, you... <laughs> rather long. It's, it's fantastic. To your it's really, 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 really interesting. So, yeah. so what do you feel um, makes a good leader? Okay. So um, I, I take the premise that we are all leaders. So and I've I, the reason I think that, I mean, even children can be leaders. So leaders, anyone who is having an impact or influencing a another, another person is leading in that moment. And leadership actually takes place in the present moment. It doesn't take place yesterday. It doesn't really take place tomorrow. We can create and inspire about tomorrow, but it happens in the present moment. So for me, what really uh, makes a great leader who's someone who's willing to develop their self-awareness and be conscious of what's important to them and the difference they want to make and is also conscious of how they impact others and how they engage with others. Because actually you can't really be an effective leader unless you can build relationships with others, unless you can create circumstances where others will resonate with you in some shape or form. So emotional intelligence is so, so important. So I, I would put that down as, as self-awareness 
and emotional intelligence. Um, I wrote my book about ego because so often ego gets in the way and um, our ego, we're in, we're in our ego 80% of the time, which is that most of the time we are not aware, we're going on automatic pilot and we're playing all sorts of games all over the place. But as a leader, I personally think you're responsible for actually developing self-awareness, for being a learner. You know, as a leader, you are always learning so that you can keep um, fine tuning and becoming as effective as you can be. Because the, doing the task is tangible and we can get the result from doing the task. Talking about our behaviours and how we interact with each other, I can't necessarily make that connection. But actually, if you don't talk about the behaviours and how you're going to work together, those are the things that could potentially stop you from doing the task. So there is a need to pay attention to both. So in your book, uh, you talk about under and overinflated egos. I do. And, yeah. and when I <laughs> and when I looked at the list, I was thinking, mm, yeah, I can relate. I've I've been an overinflated ego and an underinflated ego at the at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> thinking yeah. I, I I seem to tick all those boxes. And and one actually one thing that surprised me was an under. I, I wasn't aware of an underinflated ego. I always thought right. it was an inflated ego. Yeah, that's what? because the ego that gets talked about in the press is all about people with great big egos, you know. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about some famous politicians on both sides of the pond where you might say, yeah, some huge egos there. And yeah, that's yeah. what often gets talked about. But for me, my interpretation of ego is that it's our defence system it's it's how we protect ourselves from social anxiety and you know in the old days we're out there on the in out there shooting animals fighting for survival and it was all fight or flight and it was very instinctual but we aren't threatened by or we're not as threatened as often by really fierce animals <laughs> or the threats yeah. are very different that we deal with today compared to what we did way way back um and i'm thinking stone age man and woman in those days Nowadays, it's much more about social anxiety, and that all relates to ego because we, we we want to we want to look good. You know, we all have this drive to look good and be seen to be the right person, the nice person sort of thing. Um, and so, if there's any threat to that, that causes us anxiety, and that's when our ego comes into play. And that therefore, that means we can behave in an overinflated way. So we might, you know. For example, when I get overinflated, I get very controlling and I start um, telling my partner he's doing things wrong or whatever it is. Um, but then I can also get underinflated. If I'm feeling threatened or intimidated by somebody, I might hold back. So that holding back and shrinking back is also our ego in action, because for me, that's all part of our defense strategy, which is all what ego is. Yeah, that, that, that's really interesting because you hear a lot these days of, um, you know, people in overwhelm or, you know, fear, anxiety and maybe um, self-sabotaging. I'm not good mm -hmm. enough. And, yeah. and I see that quite a bit on social media because uh, I think you see a lot of what people are doing well, you know. Yeah. Uh, come and have a look. We've achieved this or this is our new project or, yes. you know, I've 
uh, this is another rollout or this is this and 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 people only take photos of themselves when they're smiling or they're looking good and so you kind of look on there and you're kind of thinking well uh, it's kind of that that kind of under you you end up with an underinflated ego because you're you're not kind of you're you're comparing yourself with others yes yes and and really i mean the common thread between whether it's overinflated or underinflated is the fact that you feel threatened in some way and fear has been has been stimulated for you and you're doing whatever you're doing to avoid the fear so and i think social media it's all it's a lot about it's so much about ego and looking good and yeah aren't i having a wonderful time and underneath you might be really you know <laughs> not great absolutely at all. yeah yeah it's interesting uh, that you mentioned about that you're working with organizations and in yeah. any construction industry we kind of formulate quite often we formulate a brand new organization every time we have a project yeah so we're I constantly changing who we're working with and yes. and um so there is a fear there is an anxiety and you know we're very contractual and uh you know we're we're um we're thrown together uh, all of a sudden you mentioned about leadership in the mo you know being in the present moment um what do you feel you know given a scenario where we're all thrown kind of thrown together uh for a project um you know and we've got to kind of negotiate boundaries if you like yeah you know to yeah. to, to see where we we all fit in uh, yes and 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 try and get through it working together as opposed to ending up in a dispute which quite often is, yes. is the case it's a quite a brutal industry at times um how do you see that you know comparisons with the, how the construction industry operates and a, and a kind of more static organization if you like well I can I can recall organizations I've worked with I think BAA I did some work with a multidisciplinary team that stretched not only internally within BAA but also externally yeah it was their um building division actually now you're mentioning it now we're recalling it and so they worked with architects they worked with building constructors all sorts of people who were from outside the organization and you can imagine what you have there because every every organization has its culture it has its values and 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 they'll they'll differ there'll be so much diversity in that which in one way is a strength but also has to be managed in order to be not to become something that sabotages how people work together um from my perspective what is invaluable is when a team is coming together is to actually iron out agreements around expectations and needs and when i talk about expectations and needs i'm not talking about oh you'll hit my deadline by x although that is part of it what i'm talking about is uh, behaviors so what behaviors do we want to live in this team and bring alive in this team how will we address differences of opinion for example which is a way of being proactive around because you want differences of opinion that's how you innovate is having those differences of opinion but you don't want it to become sabotaging to the team being able to work effectively through that there being so much conflict that all you do is have infighting so you need to, so it's about getting in place what i call an agreement or a contract you mentioned contract i would call this mm. a behavioral contract or sometimes it's called a psychological contract because it's all about our behaviors what we what we need and expect from each other to be our best
That's really yeah. interesting. Uh, behavioural contract and agreement. It's not something I've seen in construction uh, generally, you know, yeah. and it, it would help a, a lot. We, we tend to be very task oriented. Yeah. So that is that, uh, so that is very reflective of how things happen in, in organisations and business is because the, doing the task is tangible and we can get the result from doing the task. Talking about our behaviours and how we interact with each other, I can't necessarily make that connection. But actually, if you don't talk about the behaviours and how you're going to work together, those are the things that could potentially stop you from doing the task. So there is a need to pay attention to both. And there is, yeah. And I, I think you've got a really good point. And I think you could be on to something there, particularly as we are very... Uh, claims conscious you know in construction and we're very um, we're very conscious about differences of opinion yeah. um, and how that might affect the rights and obligations of each party as opposed to initially talking about you know how we're going to behave you know what how we're going to approach a situation where there's two opinions on something how we're going to approach yeah. these situations in contracts because quite often i feel in, in construction contracts are drafted by lawyers for lawyers yeah and there's gray areas and it's it's the gray areas where the lawyers have fun but everybody else ends up in an argument in the gray areas yeah. you know because we're not defining you know they're the bits we haven't got defined and yeah yeah so i'm just wondering if that's where the behavioral I'm not, well, maybe I'm not talking so much about a legal contract here. So, so say you and I chose to work together and what we agreed was that um, we would keep each other informed of, at each stage of the project as to any changes that would occur that might impact the other. And then that doesn't happen. I'm not going to sue you because that hasn't happened. But what I can do is open up a conversation around, Stu, when we started working together, you said you, that you were going to do this. And I've noticed that this has happened. It's impacting me. You didn't tell me about it. I was surprised to find out about it. And we can have a conversation about it. And the premise for me is that there's a, there's a great belief, which is everything is solvable through conversation. So all these conflicts and arguments that can get in place, which can sometimes be inflamed by the legalities, I think, um, we want to try and ground it in the real behaviours of what do we need to be happening? What are the expectations we have of each other? How can we speak as adults to adult to move the conversation and the situation forward? Um, rather than starting to try and score points from each other, which is whenever you catch point scoring going on, you're in a game. Whenever you catch hidden agendas, you're in a game. That's why, again, having this sort of open conversation about how do we need to behave with each other? What needs and expectations do we have? Right at the beginning can help you. It doesn't stop it completely because we are an ego so often, but it will reduce the, the, uh, the threat of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Where would um, so when you mentioned about self awareness, um, yeah, uh, how how do we how can we become more self aware around our fears, anxieties that lead to the various kind of under and over inflated ego, or or how do we manage our own ego yeah. so that we can well, 
identify the egos around us you know yeah that is a great great question well i think the place to start is with yourself if you're starting with other people that's also probably your ego because <laughs> you'd rather look at them than you'd look at yourself the place really is to start with yourself and a really simple thing you can do because when our when we get whenever we lose our rag you know and i'm saying getting getting annoyed or getting upset about something we're usually triggered in some shape or form so it's always worth noticing what is the thing that's triggering you and what can you learn about yourself about what's really going on underneath that trigger so what is it that's really upsetting you here because sometimes we get triggered by things and we think it's it's this moment that somebody's done something but it could be you know it could be that you might you might feel i'm annoyed about the fact this decision's been made or it could be that that decision's been made because you weren't consulted about it i honestly you know there are there are lots of different answers mm. and lots of different truths to any given scenario but the the important thing is is to identify i'm triggered here what has triggered me is that really the truth of the situation is that really what's triggered me or is there something else what am I learning about my own fears and anxieties here? And what is it I really need? So it could be that I just need, you know, like that example I gave you, I just need you to keep me in touch, you know, to mm, keep communicating yeah. with me. That's all I need. It could be a really simple thing. But it's a, a trigger diary as a way, you know, on, on a you could do it, have a have a, a day where you just are conscious of the things that trigger you and see what you learn from that that's a step one you could do it over the course of a week you could do it for longer it very much depends on your own motivation but it will certainly be a great starting point to becoming aware of of where your ego gets activated yeah absolutely and would we um because we quite often I think that's great to, to, to you know, because some of us, I think some listeners might feel that's a great idea, but perhaps not really knowing where to start with a trigger diary. You know, what what's the kind of criteria they need to, to, to recall? Do you know, what what is it? You know, if we're, we're talking about where our anxieties and linking it to how we behave, you know, yeah. do we have kind so, of columns? Uh, so, here's we, a, yeah. so here's some signs and s symptoms. Of, of where you might get triggered and i'm linking this to games the psychological games we can get into here so often there's kind of a familiar pattern going on here um so i can remember once um I, one of my triggers is um <laughs> not sure how to explain this but it's like it's almost like it links to my personal story about oh i'm i'm second daughter i'm second best all that sort of stuff and i can remember once being in a meeting at work and um the guy the guy who was um in charge was asking for people's input and i immediately put my hand up and started to speak and somebody else um put their hand up and spoke over me and he listened to that person and i immediately felt triggered in that moment mm -hmm. and i withdrew so my ego protected me underinflated or went immediately into negative self-belief and pushed myself back that oh they don't obviously want your opinion but then i went and spoke to him afterwards because i noticed i was triggered and i i said to him i'm sorry but i got triggered in that meeting and i really felt like i i had something to say first and you pushed me back and i allowed myself to be pushed back but i want you to know in future 
I want you to acknowledge me. And I actually asked for it. And that, for me, was a major breakthrough. Mm. But what I noticed, the reason I noticed that is it was a repeated pattern for me. So it's whenever you notice something that's familiar, that's like, oh, this is happening again. That is a sign you're being triggered and it's a sign your ego is going on and you're getting involved in something that maybe isn't so helpful um, in terms yeah. of a psychological game. I hope I'm not so, going into too much detail here because these are quite um, sophisticated phenomena we're talking about here. So, it is. I, it's, so, it's, it's fascinating. It's interesting. And I'm sure yeah. the listeners will find it interesting because we're all you know we're all human beings we all get triggered and and you know we all want to um uh, be able to 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 lead the companies where yeah. we're involved in and actually avoid disputes as well you know yes. and be yes. Um, yes. productive and enjoy enjoy our work you know it, yes. it should be fun really you know we should we should yes. enjoy it it should be creative it should be fun and less stressful but quite often we're walking around in a state of anxiety, maybe because we're not paying attention to how we behave, um, yeah. keeping our trigger diary, um, yeah. you know, those sorts of things. And, and no, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's a really interesting subject that perhaps yeah. doesn't get aired enough in, in the sector that we're in. Yeah, well, yeah, I can imagine because I imagine your sector is very, very task focused and oh thinking about so. feelings and triggers and behaviors mm. that's probably a uh a, that's probably a, a the the opportunity there is it's it's not been um accessed enough there's probably huge potential there to have a positive impact on the sector by allowing some exploration and some expression of that those things really absolutely and you know there, there is a high level of anxiety i would say in, in in construction there is a high suicide rate um yeah. it's a feed it's a it's a seedbed for insolvency you know yeah. and, and and slow payments uh what this is all about slow payments and cash flow and the slow payments yeah. you know 95 percent of the businesses in the supply chain employ less than five people they're quite often um, you know, people that have come off trades to develop a business, when they don't get paid, it affects not only their suppliers, which we quite often think about, but it's their families and their their bills, the community, you know, so it has much wider um, reach than just not paying the supplier. It affects the community. It it's, doesn't... It's a, it sounds like it's a systemic challenge. It's the whole system, the web. Yeah. Of how the industry has evolved and there's something for me when i hear you say about you know it's small businesses um livelihoods are at stake families are at stake that increases the stress levels enormously so the potential for triggering perhaps for being triggered and going into that reactive emotional or defensive response is increased um, mm. which you know a lot of the work I do with with all my clients actually is we always have a conversation around how they're looking after themselves and their well-being because that's part of when you you imagine just you know if you've not had a good night's sleep the difference in your performance at work compared to when you have and that's just one element of your well-being um, yeah. and if people are in small businesses and their livelihood is under threat because the cash flow you know 
their clients might be withholding payment or whatever, that can have a massive impact on uh, people being vulnerable, being vulnerable to their to their egos playing out. And yeah, I'm not surprised that you know suicide rate. So suicide is um, often seen from a psychological framework as unexpressed anger. So it's kind of you know the whole emotional field is so important to become more aware of your feelings and what's important to you and what do you need to address the negative feelings because you know if your if your needs are met we feel joy and happiness when they're not met we feel anxiety anger sadness um and being able to yeah. recognize that means you're then put in a position of greater choice around how you deal with it yeah absolutely and what i found really interested in your book ego yeah was when you talked about the pathology of organizations and in a way construction and that whole culture that you know you were just describing around construction and that we're aware of um mm. it's an all it becomes it you know that supply chain that that grouping of of companies people come together and form an uh, um an organization and it might be ad hoc but it comes together and uh you know there is a certain pathology around uh it's a little it it seems in certain respects a bit dysfunctional uh, mm. from uh, construction um and you know it was you, you talk about an organization being uh, having a kind of uh, psych, um, psychopathic tendencies i mean where would you you know where would you see the that construction organization on that kind of scale i think that the i suppose my sense of it is that the challenge is that when we lose balance and um what I see happening, and we're going back to this task behavior piece, that when there is an over-focus on task and results, and I'm not saying organizations should not be interested in results. Of course, they should be interested in results. It's the responsible thing to do is to achieve the results they want to achieve, but it's the how they go about achieving them that's important. So when they lose sight of how they go about achieving them and don't pay attention to that and just focus solely on We've got to make sure that result happens, that there's a risk they become psychopathic and they will start developing leaders and attracting leaders in that ilk. Um, whereas actually what you need as an organization, and I think this applies to any industry, is, you know, an organization is only a collection of human beings. You know, we call it an organization and immediately it becomes organization. It becomes kind of this monolithic monster <laughs> you know this <laughs> this commodity people are not commodities they're people and the best way to engage people is to treat them as human beings and to and to treat them with respect to treat them dare i say in the corporate world in the in the construction world to treat them with a bit of love and tlc all really really important stuff because you know you wouldn't I do a lot of work with women leaders and I know lots of male leaders who are fantastic and they have daughters and they, and yet in the organizations they work, they see behavior from their colleagues that is not okay in terms of how they treat women. And yet they're caught up in that culture. So they, they don't address it because it's hard to address. 
so that we get these cultural norms and if the cultural norm is just about results and not about the people um i think you're going to have a tricky time on your hands i think particularly as we go forward and the trend going forward and you're looking at the younger generations coming through is that you know then the younger generation particularly uh, millennials and generation z that are coming through are not patient if they're not treated well and with respect they'll be off and you know we already have an employment issue in this country um with not enough people to fill all the posts that we want to fill um as an organization you've got to start paying attention to the people side and to the human side as much as you pay to the results that and your way to get those great results is through your people Absolutely. i've just gone on the soapbox there so sorry about that no, and I, I i i totally agree you know having having you know running my business over the years i i've realized that it is all about the people you know it's been yeah. able to they're your best asset you can change bits of you know machinery and you can change buildings and um you know but people are the is the is the one thing that 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 changes the uh the business and yeah uh i i think you know quite often you know it's always referred to as looking after people it's so you know so-called soft skills mm. and you know soft skills I, which are the hard skills actually yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly they're the, they're they are the tricky yeah. ones they're the really tricky ones to to develop is this particularly if you're someone who is very very i mean we talk about different personality types and there's people that are very action orientated and just want to get it done and you know organizations love those types of personalities and often they're the people that get promoted but you've got to think about the people who also are able to engage with others and take people with them because you don't want people you don't want your leaders all running ahead to turn around and find that no one's there with them otherwise you're not going to deliver anything exactly exactly and how do you feel that we could you know particularly in the construction industry improve our our soft skills you know um how do we kind of become a little bit more self-aware and how do we kind of perceive how we're responding in relationship to others yeah yeah well we've talked a lot about we've talked already about keeping that trigger diary as a way of getting self-aware mm. the other way is to start asking for feedback and you don't necessarily have to you i mean you could do a formal 360 feedback process but you could do something quite informal as well just email half a dozen people and make sure it's a mixture of people not just the people that you know you get on famously with and ask them you know what are the qualities they see in you you know what 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 do you do that works as a leader what do you do that could you could improve on and just ask them for that feedback and then see what things come back that's the, that's a really simple way to start building your self-awareness um and then once you've got that that's a message about the impact you're having on others because what people will tell you is the thing the way you impact them um, and then once yeah. you can see that, yeah. you can then start thinking a bit more about, oh, right, so people think I interrupt too often. Okay, maybe I should work on my listening skills. And there's all sorts of things you could do around that. Or maybe I should work on being more empathetic or what, whatever it is. It depends what comes back from the information you get. But that's some practical things you could do very easily. 
Oh, that that sounds really. I'm going to try that actually. The trigger diary, although it probably needs some guidance because, as you say, you know they're soft skills, but they're hard soft skills. So there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. There um, are, and it's they're, very they're multi-leveled. How do you interpret the feedback? How do you, how do you, what do I do with the diary once I've got it? <laughs> you know, lots of things like that. So when's the best time for an organisation or somebody in a leadership role to come and find you and say, look? Mary, you know, we, we, we may need some help with this. Well, <laughs> ideally, the <laughs> earlier the better. So, for example, if you're a leader individually and, and um, you're um, stepping up in the organisation, uh, maybe you're taking on a new role or a new challenge, um, that's a good time to get in touch with me. Um, as an organisation, if you know that you're navigating change or if you can see that um, you know, sometimes I get approached by organizations who are who are in the startup phase and they want to develop a positive culture and I can work with them to help them identify. So that contracting phase that I talked with you about where they, you identify the behaviors that would really make this a great place to work and how are you going to hold each other to account for those behaviors? How are you going to make sure that those behaviors are really brought alive? And it starts with the leaders at the top. Um, because how the leaders at the top think about being a senior leader which for some people is off-putting they don't want to get to that stage but for those that are in those senior leadership roles you are more visible than you recognize and therefore the be the way you act and behave has a massive impact um, and you are the role models to the rest of the organization as to how we do things around here so you have an awful lot of uh influence over culture so if you're in that stage of wanting to shift the culture i can help with that but also um if you're in the stage of where you're starting out and starting up i can help with creating the culture as well so what's the best way for somebody to get in contact with you well they, I, i'm uh, i'm on linkedin so probably via linkedin that's how you and i met actually um yeah. is the easiest way so via LinkedIn, or I have a website, uh, which is marygregory.com. So just www.marygregory.com. Um, you can contact me, send me, a, send me a message via my website. Um, and also there's a free download on my website. If you want the chapter of my book, um, you can download the first chapter from my website as well. Um, yeah. And I'll put the links, I'll put some of those links in the notes to the podcast as well. So when okay. people listen to the podcast, they can look at it and, and click on there. And and the book yeah. is amazing. And I would recommend that to, to anybody that is in a leadership yeah. role or aspiring to a leadership role or going through change. And I'm very happy to offer uh, free copies of the book to, the, to your first five uh, sign-ups as well, Stu. So thank you so much mary so everyone if you want a copy of mary's book the first five that subscribe to the channel uh we'll send you you give us your details we'll send you out a, um, a copy of mary's book so mary time for a quick fire inspiration motivation okay oh my goodness now my ego so talk about social anxiety my ego has suddenly gone oh, god what if i get it wrong <laughs> what if i make a fool of myself all of those things are going through my head but here goes let's just just see what happens fantastic there's no right or wrong in this round it's um, just whatever comes <laughs> to mind and it's nice and gentle so first question how do you start your day okay 
um i start my day usually i start my day by um, going downstairs i have hot water and lemon and i go and if, it, if it's uh warmer days i go out in my garden and i look at my garden and connect with nature um, and if it's freezing cold i will probably just um look at it through the window and just worry about how it's going to be in the spring <laughs> but uh yeah no I, I i connecting with nature is really important to me so that's how i set my debt self up for the day quiet time when are you most productive i am most productive in the mornings so i frequently get up early and start work uh quite early as well so seven or eight o'clock i might be you might find me at my desk but that's only because i i I, I like to have that time to reflect, to think, but also I'm at my most creative then as well. What's something new happening in your life right now? Something new happening in my life. Um, oh gosh, 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 gosh. Well, I, I um, oh, okay. I'll talk about things that are happening in my business actually. So this year I've committed to raising my profile. So I'm doing a weekly uh monday magic i've called it which is just setting ourselves up for the week because monday can be a real oh god i'm back at work and so what i've done is i'm sharing only for about a five minute live on linkedin every monday uh just reflecting on how did last week go and then setting an intention for how you want this week to go and um, i share any inspiration or anything i've read or watched or seen that is helpful to support us with setting ourselves up well for the week. So that's one thing I'm doing. And I'm also running a monthly leadership live, which is a free webinar, 45 minute web webinar every month um, where we cover all sorts of topics. This month, actually, we've got something happening this month on how ego um, affects our success, how we can sabotage ourselves, but also how ego can support us to be successful as well. Next month, we're doing something around women and ego um in, because it's uh international women's day next month so and that's kind of evolving as the year goes on what does adventure look like to you oh adventure oh wait, well I, i'm quite an adventurous person and actually adventure is one of my values so i like to have adventures um and i do believe that life is one long experiment um so you know you try things out does it work? Does it not work? How was that experience? Um, adventure can be in the moment, just getting curious about something and trying something out. So it can actually take place in my office here. I'm having an adventure right now. Maybe I'm having an adventure talking to you. Or it can be something uh, much grander than that or bigger than that. It can be, you know, I, I do a lot of cycling with my partner and we have friends that we go away on holidays with and cycle all over the place. That always sets up my sense of adventure. Sort of being in the great outdoors and, and in the fresh air always feels adventurous and trying new cultures and, and new experiences. What thing would you love to do that might surprise your friends and family? Um, do you know, I don't know. I saw that in your list and I thought, I just haven't a clue on that one because <laughs> I think they're kind of, a bit unsurprised by me because i'm just going oh she's at, it, she's at it again sort of thing um i i think i'm gonna to have to pass on that one for now I name anything. <laughs> you'll figure something after the podcast Probably. name a name a challenge you overcame that changed your life 
a challenge I overcame that changed my life. I think, and I'm going to share this because I, I, I talk to women leaders about this a lot, but also it applies to male leaders as well. Learning to say no and, and put my boundaries down in a clear way. And I still sometimes have a sense of awkwardness when I do that. But I also know how important it is because I've had times in my life where I've not been good with boundaries to quite devastating effects, actually. Um, so, yeah, learning to say no has absolutely helped me rise up and be a much stronger person and much more able to contribute effectively to others. Yeah, yeah actually, I totally agree with that one. That, that, yeah. That's one with me, you know, saying yeah. say, say no more. Yeah, absolutely agree yeah. with that one. I have to transcend my ego to do that. Because there are, yeah. I'm getting more used to it, but I still have to sometimes take a deep breath and go, no, I'm not going to go with that, you know. And it's because my ego is going, oh, just be nice to people or just say yes because it'll stop there being an argument or whatever. But no, I'm, yeah. What inspires and motivates you? Oh, gosh, all sorts of things inspire and motivate me. I've already mentioned connecting with nature. I find very energizing and inspiring. But people inspire me all the time. I'm really passionate about helping people lead their best lives and make the, the, you know, the optimum contribution they can make. But, you know, I'm privileged and honoured to work with some incredible leaders and some of the things that they do. I'm absolutely awed by it's really incredible to hear what they do and I'm certainly inspired by my clients um but yeah lots lots and lots of things inspire me but lots of things that people do particularly inspire me when they're contributing massively and impacting others in such a positive way what does success mean to you um, success means what it means to me is making a positive contribution in some shape or form. And that doesn't have to be huge. It can be just in a tiny form as well. But the fact that you're touching people in some shape or form and making a contribution, um, the fact you might have grown some bulbs and they've come through, that looks like, you know, so I think success shows up in all sorts of shapes and forms. Um, yeah, ha leading a happy life. That, that's positive and makes a difference to others and to the planet, I think is success for me. So we come to the final question. What advice would you give to your young self? Advice to my younger self? Um, to care less in a way. <laughs> and I suppose <laughs> what, I, what I mean there is, um, to, I think we get hold ourselves back and I'm completely guilty of this because we don't want to look silly or foolish. Um, and actually, it doesn't really matter. You know, if I, I, you know I, I, some years ago, I came to the conclusion, if nobody dies, does it really matter? You know, if, if, if it's going to really hurt somebody, fine, that's fair enough. But otherwise, give it a go. You, you know, all you can lose is a bit of face, really. So, um, yeah, to care less about what others think. Thank you, Mary. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on. Uh, there's so yeah, many things that much. we can learn from the work you do. And the book is amazing. And I, I just recommend that book to anyone listening. So thank you so much, Mary. And um, maybe you'll come on again soon. 
Oh, I'd love to. Thank you so much, Stuart. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Construction Cashflow. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so, so you never miss an episode. And remember, the faster cash flows, the faster wealth grows.